0: Today, a podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and the latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me is my co-host, Samir Khan. Hey, Samir.
1: Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Good. You? Good.
0: Yeah. Summer's we're, I guess we're in the middle of summer now, huh?
1: Yes, we are. and <laughs> My kids are home, and it's uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> they're, they're keeping us busy.
0: Yeah, I think the difference for me is that my, my kids are home too, um, but I work from home, so uh, that's good. It's, it's a little bit different, you know. It's, always there.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're always asking something and <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out things, and exactly, it's fun stuff. Exactly.
0: Well, I, I think today is a really cool topic, and we've already done this one before, and um, you know, I, this is kind of our second. We, we've had a lot of responses from people saying, "Hey, we really love your reviews of." of these big articles and surveys that have come out and we found another great one. Um, so this one is uh, from a company called new vantage partners and it's titled big data executive survey 2016. And it, it's, you know, really to give a quick introduction about it, it's in 2012 new vantage partners initiated the first big data executive survey targeting senior fortune 1000 businesses and technology decision makers. So if you think about it, you know, the executive participation, there was probably about 40% that were C-level execs. About 28% were heads of big data. About 12% were heads of analytics and also senior technologists. But um, even the breakdown by role, we 50% were actually chief data officers, which is great. So this is going to be great. So basically this survey was launched as, you know, a, a way to really – survey chief information officers, chief analytics officers, you know, in line of business executives who were participants in this and who sought out to best understand this new phenomenon known as big data. And I'm using hand co- air quotes here, you know, like questions like what is big data? You know, how is it different? What would be the impact of the business opportunity? And I think people use the term big data is like just a buzzword. Um, and, and so, you know, they're, some great things to consider here, and you know we have some key you know really key focuses, three key focuses we want to focus on with this survey,
1: yeah, and I think you know it's it's so I think what's happening is the survey has like you said when they started doing the survey in two thousand twelve big data was still a buzzword, it was not you know I think there were some companies, especially. Uh, big companies such as uh, Bank of America, AIG, IBM, and all these folks, they were realizing the potential of it and they were starting to implement it. And uh, people were getting made aware of it. But I think come 2016, what's different about the response to the surveys, and when we talk about this, our listeners will notice that it has changed a lot. The big data has now become a mainstream technology avenue. There are lots of different product services uh, available In that stream, uh, it is uh, sort of a household name when it comes to the technology and data market. So it's no longer uh, as much as a buzzword that it was before. I think it has become more of a brand word. Uh, So that's what we're going to notice. So looking at the threefold aspects of the survey – the first and most important one was to understand the role of big data and analytics in the organization. Like how are the companies using big data today? What are the organization doing? What's their analytics landscape looks like? What are the different types of technology that fit into the spectrum? And more importantly, how are businesses using big data to drive decision-making process?
0: And I think specifics to that, we're focusing on here on the ones that are surveyed, so the Fortune 1000 businesses. Right. Yeah. Companies such as
1: Citigroup, Wells Fargo, CVS, Harvard Medical, Bank of America, AIG, so all major brands.
0: And I think the important thing here is as a listener, if you're saying, well, I'm not a Fortune 1000 company, how does this relate to me? Well, the thing is, if you look at these big Fortune 1000 companies, they have the full resources to be able to to do these things with a a a lot of people behind it. And I think what we're Samir and I are going to do today is kind of distill it down to be able to say, if you're not a Fortune 1000 company and you're a medium-sized business or a smaller business, you can take these same, you know, same actions and turn around and do these things yourself. So that that's an important thing to focus on too.
1: That's uh, you know that's a good segue to the next point actually from the threefold points of the survey is to get insights on how big data is being applied across various business units, so it does not necessarily only applies to the CIO group or the CTO group. Data and analytics technologies are taking mainstream action when it comes to finance, when it comes to marketing, when it comes to sales. Everyone wants to know how they can better put all the data that they have been collecting for years to action and drive results from it. And I agree. And, and the last yeah. and the foremost is how analytics is changing the industry and organization. You know, that's change is always important like organizations like to change so they can be on the leading edge. Uh so big data and analytics technology are allowing them and giving them new tools to better prepare for the future, better forecast the future, uh, and better align their business activities so they can enable a successful change.
0: And, and I think this also goes into this idea and it, it it's not really just tools, but it's also, you know, things like executive sponsorship. It's, it's also the roles and it's also the training and best practices, you know, and, and those are big things to really understand. It's like, you have to hire the right people to be able to do these things. It's it's very difficult to take an average marketer who's just coming in the digital world and having them be able to run your big data.
1: I Not agree. Yeah, that's it's a specialized work. role.
0: Very <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, very cool. Let, let, let's get into it.
1: So let's dive into the survey. And so what we did is instead of you know looking at. Uh, even though we're going to provide a link to the survey on our website, datacrackle.com, what we have done is we have taken five actionable insights for our listeners that you can directly apply to your business, no matter how big or small your business is. So let's start with the first one. What's the first one?
0: So the first one is big data is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. It's going to be around and it's actually growing.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I think, you know, We have and everyone has said enough about the growth of big data, right? There has been numbers thrown out, you know, uh, I don't even recall the top of my head, but, you know, trillion bytes of data created every year and, you know, terabytes and zettabytes and petabytes, like all the fun stuff that comes with those numbers. But I think more importantly, big data is now mainstream. And the growth in both usage of big data for decision-making purposes and big data technology has been phenomenal. Yeah. You, the International Data Corporation, IDC, forecasted 23% growth from 2014 to 2019 with an annual spending of 46 billion in 2019. So it's going to be a significant portion of company and organization spend by 2019. Imagine 46 billion, uh, even accelerating some of the IT spend of some of organization. Uh, the other thing is the big data executive survey also validate and confirms the growth. So, 62% of the firms have at least one instance of big data in production. Now, again, you know, instead of using the buzzword, what does it mean for have big data in production? It means they have some type of uh, really high processing Hadoop instances in place. They have. Uh, it's a team of people that are looking after these instances. There are a team of people that are running analysis on it. And, and as a matter of fact, this mm-hmm. is actually double of the 31% report in 2013. So from 2013 to 2016, the application of big data infrastructure is been doubled and, and in fact, 26% of the firms are looking to invest in excess of $50 million in big data technology, people and infrastructure in 2017. So it's amazing how the landscape has changed, how it's growing. Not only IDC confirms this, the survey has also validated the changes that are coming up.
0: So I, I think maybe if you don't mind, you know, let's, let's just assume that we have some listeners who are, are trying to understand what is What is the true definition of big data? You know, because if somebody were to say, you know, hey, I want to turn around and start talking to my internal teams about what is big data and how should we be using, how would they be able to define that?
1: And that's a good question. Normally, when you look at, if you go in Wikipedia and search for big data definition, normally people talk about the variety of data, uh, the velocity of data, the volume of data, like the whys uh i think that's what essentially people mean when they call it big data but in my eyes any data that is large enough for us to pursue an activity and drive results that you're not going to be able to do from your traditional analytics application like for example if you're using a traditional analytics application which are excel access uh, and some you know really uh simple database structure even like simple sql structures if you're not able to take action on the data, and the data is growing phenomenally over time, like social media, for instance. If you want to derive results from social media and if you are drinking from the Twitter firehose, that's big data because there's a lot of data being produced all the time, and it's really hard for you to tap onto that data just by using Excel and uh, Access. So at that point of time, you need technology in place that's going to allow you to, in real time, uh, uh, process this data. Uh, And make this data available. Uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think another definition there is you know I was looking this up, and it's this idea that they say extremely large data sets that may that may be analyzed computationally to reveal patterns, trends, and associations, especially relating back to human behavior and interactions.
1: Yeah, and, and that kind of goes to the philosophy of uh, extract, transfer, and load, right? You know, if you're, are you able to extract and transfer and load the data at the same speed that you are able to do this much smaller data sets? And if not, then you need real-time extraction, transfer, and load of the data, and you need real-time Hadoop instances, or uh, you know, something like uh, IBM Infosphere or Amazon uh, Elast- Elastic MapReduce. I think those are technologies that you need to process this data in real time. So what's also interesting is um, when we're talking about the survey specifically, 91% of the time the big data ex- uh, projects have an executive buy in. Uh, so that is essentially helping organizations pursue these large data set projects. Uh, and, you know, that's, you kind of brought that point earlier. Because there is so much, like, majority of the organization have a large set of their senior leadership have approval. So that they can use big data, uh, it is the rapid change is happening, and not only that. Like in our podcast number twelve, we actually discussed for people who are not necessarily looking for a large scale and large scale infrastructure and looking for their leadership to approve a huge amount of spend. In the podcast twelve, we discuss multiple free and cheap tools to get started with big data processing. So some of them are Big ML. So go to BigML.com. It's free. Uh, up to a certain instance, you can start using it. IBM Watson Analytics, which is watsonanalytics.com, Microsoft R. Uh, so you can also get full-scale managed 10-node Hadoop framework for 15 cents an hour on Amazon Elastic MapReduce. Again, we are not promoting any of these companies, but these are some of the resources where anyone can go and start, you know, playing around with data sourcing data from different sources and see what it looks like you know, when we're talking about big data analytics. And these tools will be able to – these tools will give you the ability to run some of these analysis.
0: Yeah, and, and I think this actually bodes well into some previous podcasts that we did about selling internally these projects because sometimes these are cheap and sometimes they're expensive projects to be able to get into. And I think this goes perfectly well into our second actionable insight – um, is this idea that the chief data officer is now a required position.
1: That's a great segue. And I remember back in 2008, uh, when I was working for a company, we started investing in analytics. So we were hiring our business and data analytics professionals. Uh, the organizations were very cautious on spending more on data projects. Uh, but I think if you look at uh, the payoff, it's exponential. Like Today, data roles in the organizations are fairly common. Uh, C-level positions, such as chief data officer, head of analytics, are opening up. Uh, organizations are investing in people and technology resources alike, and this is exactly what the survey is saying. Like there has been 350% growth in having a chief data officer role in the organization, and, and you know the the firms that were surveyed, 54 more than half of them have a chief data officer role filled in, and 20% of the firms are reported the chief data officer is a primary owner of the big data initiative. So that role, which was not even existing before, and people were skeptical in, in terms of investing in this role, now it has become a very important part of the organization. And I think they're sitting in parallel to the Uh, chief technology officer and they're working in tandem with them. As a matter of fact, some of the budgets are being shifted from the chief technology officer and CIO to chief data officers.
0: So I think where this also turns is a seat at the table and you and I have spoken about this term seat at the table in a ton of different podcasts. But it's this idea that the owner of this big data and when you look at it, you know, the survey also says that, you know, the chief data officer has emerged as an important voice in these Fortune 1000 companies. And really what it used to be is that these the, the data owner used to be these analysts, really not with high titles or high levels, but they're the one that controlled the data. And their job was to create analysis and give it up to the C-level executives, and their job was to read this and interpret it and so on, right? But it's gotten to the point to where there's so much big data and there's so much need for analysis, interpretation of that, and there's so much investment in that that the chief data officer and the person who owns the analytics now and the and the data actually has a seat at that table now.
1: That's that's and, that's and, a great point.
0: Yeah, and, and it's it's a true shift in 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 the control of the company. I mean, if you think about it, there's very few roles that really touch everything. You know, marketing, you know, if you are, own a, a big budget with a marketing, you know, you have your hands in IT, you have your hands in finance and operations and so on. But really, it's this chief data officer that truly has their hands in every single role in the company. And they're they kind of like the lifeblood without data. I mean, we talk about how people used to say content is king. No, Samir and I say that data is king.
1: Yeah, and that's true because what's happening even in the marketing department specifically, and we can speak to the marketing department because we have been in this role for quite some time, what's really happening is before marketing was all strategy-driven, right? Strategy and uh, a lot of uh, essentially insights and practical application experience. I think more and more it's becoming more about data-driven. It is more about analytics-driven. And this is also happening – this change is also happening in the marketing leadership roles where people are taking key positions as data and analytics leaders. So that's that's a good point.
0: Well, look at your role. (laughs) Kind of brag a little bit about Samir and his accomplishments. I mean this is kind of what you're currently doing right now. So definitely a big thing. Great. Yeah, we can talk about you too. Come on, Samir. (laughs) You're not off limits. Okay. Yeah. So, so let, well, let's. The same applies
1: to <laughs> you. You're in a kind of similar role right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. So let, let, let's go into the third one. So the third one here is the third actual insight is, you know, business and technology group alignment is critical. And we just touched on that in this last one is that when we say alignment, I'm not saying that, Hey, let's just meet together every two weeks and, and go through our agenda. It's a little bit more than that.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, you know this is something that you have been talking for for a long time. Like we always recommend aligning the core business objectives with the organizational projects. So if, if someone is running, you know, they they just want to run some type of big data project in the organization, and they're not these projects are not connected to the core business objectives, which is growth and revenue, uh, and you know customer satisfaction. And they're just running in silos. Then if you go back to the original one that we talked about, the leadership buy-in, you're not going to get the leadership buy-in. So what, what's happening here is in order for these technologies to really work, the business and technology group needs to align. So the CIO group and the business intelligence group uh, and this chief data officer group and, you know, however you want to call that, they need to be connected. Uh, and all the projects that are rogue and that are disconnected in nature needs to be removed, and they need to brought and be connected to this, uh, you know, organization, like not a not a real organization, but a fictitious organization that aligns these different uh, uh, entities so, together.
0: So let, let, let's go into more detail because you know I think I think we can talk about it in the in theory, but let's say from from your experience, talk to me about alignment there. Talk talk to me about what it really means. To, to have those two business and technology groups align, like, give, give me an example of like a day in the life.
1: A day in the life typically looks like, uh, like you know, I can give speak to what we're doing today. So, in today, in my organization, you know, we have a weekly meeting between our IT group and between the marketing operations and sales operations. So, essentially, what we do is we meet, and all the executives in the group meet on a weekly basis. They looks at look at the key projects in hand. Uh, And when we understand that what the compliance requirements are, we understand what process we need to follow, where is this particular item in the queue, what is new technology that's coming up later in the pipeline so we can better prepare for it and have a better alignment between the teams. And as a group, decide if that's the right technology for our business, both from You know, compliance perspective, also from business growth perspective. So that's one way to do it. The other way, my past life where we have uh, aligned resources between finance and marketing, right? You know, how do we take this data technologies and share it with finance so then the finance department is also speaking the same language uh, that marketing is? Uh, And there are many different ways to do this. At an executive level, this is also happening where CMO is speaking more and more to the CTO and CIO group, uh, and as a matter of fact, there is—it's very interesting that the, there is a shift of budget, a shift of spend happening from the CMOs, from the CIO and CTO group to CMO, because now CMOs are investing in more and more data marketing technologies. So it's amazing, and that's kind of what the survey has validated—that bro- that since there is a huge buy-in from the leadership on these big data and analytics projects, the single biggest factor for the big data adoption is business and technology alignment. Like in fact, thirty-four percent of the firms strongly believe that the partnership of business and technology leadership make the data project successful.
0: So I, I think that that actually perfectly goes well in our fourth actual insights, and we want to say, you know, you know, that when we talk about marketing, there's obviously different types of marketing, but were we are talking about. You know, revenue driven marketers, marketers that have actionable insights and so on. And this goes perfectly well into our fourth insight, which is actionable insights and faster response times, you know, are key drivers of that big data investment. And and I really think it's, it's, it's creating, uh, you know, running, running reports and running analyses that actually create data. I'm sorry that they create actions and things, um, You know, processes for you to be able to solve issues. Mm. Because a lot of times, you know, data just creates more questions and and that's the last thing you want it to do.
1: Right. And that's a great point because I, I think what's in when we were talking about how marketing was used to be all about strategy and less about data. Now, the main advantage of using data to drive business objectives and also marketing objectives is the organization is less likely to fail. Because now we're running multiple scenarios, we're comparing different models, we're providing a well-educated, documented version of our analysis. So data-driven decision are sort of an insurance policy for the projects and initiatives. And they essentially add an extra layer of protection against negative outcomes. So that's that's the promise that these data projects deliver. Uh, in most cases, I would not say 100% of the time that's going to happen, but in most cases you're going to see... Better performance of your campaigns, uh, better success on your organizational growth strategies, cost efficiencies that's gonna come with it, and improvement in overall performance of the company, and investing in data projects allow the organization to rise above the traditionals, because I said so approach, right? So that's the traditional approach, like, you know, because I said so, and this came from leadership, we can hypothesize multiple scenarios. We can test different models, so it's no more because someone said, it is because the data is saying it, and there is validity in the data. So I think a couple of more things here. So also increases the response time, which is a key takeaway as well. right? It increases the response time and the time it requires for the organization to understand good and bad decisions. This was not available before. Like today, you can compare uh, different data sets, and you can understand which decision will impact your future in a positive way and a negative way. Uh, well, it also
0: goes into the timing. It also goes into planning, too. I mean, there are going to be issues that have a higher impact but may take a longer amount of time to tackle. And to be able to identify the exact impact of your actions and based on timing to be able to, to fix that, I mean, that that is the biggest struggle that people have. Nobody has one problem to deal with. Everybody has about a, a dozen or more problems to deal with at any given time. It's just how can you quantify the return and and the impact
1: exactly,
0: based on your data.
1: Exactly, and that's what the survey validates. 34% of the firms believe in the ability to deliver greater insights is a critical driver of big data investment because now these firms know the advantage from the big data is not just they're using super cool technology, but also they're getting better insights, they're improving – their oper their operational instances, they're improving their business performance, all because there is so much more powerful insights coming from the business decision making process that big data drives.
0: Exactly, and, and I think here's another concept to think about, and I think this it, it perfectly goes well into our fifth actual item. But it's this idea that you know the type of data has evolved over the years. So I recently did a presentation um, in, in Seattle, and we talked about really the evolution of data over time. And at the beginning, I remember, and you and I have talked about this in a prior podcast, is this idea that back in 2006, 2007, people were talking about this thing, multi-channel, right? You were trying to gather data from multi-channel. And then after that, it moved in this idea of omni-channel, right? Omni-channel is a big thing. And there's still a lot of companies out there. You know, even today, I went to a few conferences is that, um, people today are still talking about this idea of omni-channel data. You know, we're going to be able to pull data from all these different sources. And now this 2016 thing, if you look at um, Harvard Review Studies or Harvard Studies and Forbes Studies, 2016 is the year of personalization, right? The year of customer experience, being able to offer that personalized customer experience. But I think what we're also saying here is what we want to do is take that next step of the evolution and, and have data-driven customer experience. And that goes in this idea, this fifth actionable insight of you know, the variety of data is more important than the velocity or volume of data. And, and when you look at it, it's looking at this idea of this long tail of the big data and the fact that, you know, you're driving customer experience and, and putting that into your big data sets, you know, being able to look at, you know, um, you know, the positive or negative impacts or whether, you know, somebody's going to give you a, a, a 10 out of 10 or so on. But really that data itself is not fully integrated. And not really looked at alongside other pieces of data. Everything is so segregated. So, being able to take all that data together and be able to make decisions.
1: And I think that's that's also like, you know, generally when we talk about big data, we always generally talk about the volume and the velocity. Like, in fact, uh, IDC predicts 1.7 megabytes of new data will be created every second by 2020, which is essentially. 40 zetabytes like i don't even know how many zeros that include <laughs> uh, so i think we're, we're pretty quickly going to run out of uh, labels for volumes of data so what's interesting though is the survey is saying that you know people are really fascinated about the velocity and the volume but it's the variety not the volume which really drive big data projects like 40 percent of the organizations are making investment in big data projects due to the variety of data And what does that mean by variety of data? We have text data being generated from social media, digital data, call centers, acoustic data, so voice data, visual data generated from eye movement technologies, video and audio data, offline store data, beacon technologies, mobile data. So there's so much variety that it just becomes extremely important to integrate various data sources to allow to make a very comprehensive decisions. Otherwise, you're going to be looking at these data in silo. So it's not just that these data production is happening in volume. You know, we, we all talk about social media data being produced every second, but social media is just one tiny piece of all the different data sets that brings the flavor of a variety. And that makes it much more complicated for the organization to make decision because now they have to juggle between all these different types of data set.
0: Well, it's maybe one stop within the, within the 20 point stop of a journey of a customer you know, being able to say that somebody likes something and not integrating that data into how they're, you know, interacting in your site are two completely different, you know, you're looking at two completely different things. You're saying, well, h- how do they relate to each other? And I always use this, this um, mental or this visual idea of, you know, this evolution of big data, using the variety of data, you know, is this idea that, what people used to do is think I have different data sorts or or sources coming in and they used to stack all their data. So imagine having like 10 stacks of data, like 10 pancakes on top of each other. Right. And so then you would look at each stack of those data and be able to derive analysis from each of those. And as the volume goes bigger, as your stack goes higher, it's impossible to find an integrated approach or a, a smart output, you know, an actionable insight as we talked about in number four. The, the idea there is to be able to take all those stacks and make it like one big pancake, right? One big solid pancake of, of all this data, this variety of data all integrated together. And this way you, you're able to take smarter approaches. A faster response rather than looking, well, this is affecting this. And I think it's really pushing away from this idea of attribution, but more so this integrated data.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what the survey is talking about. You know, you, you brought up a great point because the integration of the big data infrastructure and your traditional organization's data warehouse infrastructure using a uh, technology such as data hub or data lake, it's what yep. 41% of the organizations are pursuing. So that's the exact yep. approach that we also recommend that don't create stacks of data within the organization. There should be an integration between your Hadoop instances and your traditional data warehouse instances. Uh, in, in fact like you know there's been a significant growth in the use of uh, test technologies so as analytical sandbox, uh, big okay. Data lab or data center for testing and trial purposes. So the whole idea behind this is once you test it in a specific sandbox, you immediately deploy, and make it actionable into your entire entire data warehouse so your organization uses this. So, yeah, I mean, I like the the analogy you mentioned, Richard, pancake, which is the pancake. It's just perfect uh, example of how this has been done and this how this should be done.
0: Yeah, and to think about it, somebody's going to say, "Well, that's cool, but what if I have twenty pancakes on top of there? There's no way to, to to eat a stack of twenty pancakes. And even if you were to make one big pancake, that's a giant pancake. Well, the beauty of the yeah, right. I do like pancakes. But I think the beauty of the big data in the analysis is, is, is taking actionable insights from this large amounts of data and distilling it down into the KPIs that matter to you most. You know, if you, if you think about it, you know, when, when you and I were last working together, it was this idea that, you know, we did the survey that said that on average companies use what 35 or it was a 37 different, um, tools right to be able to manage their average marketing. So if you think about it, let's do some math. Let's say let's say um 30 right 30 different tools. Yeah, 30, 35 35 different, different, different technologies. 30, 35 different technologies. Let's say you have 3 KPIs for each of those technologies. 3 times 35 is a lot. I mean you're talking over a 100 KPIs. Right. So in order to make an effective decision on something, are you telling me that on average to make a decision from all those 35 different stacks, you're gonna take a hundred and five different KPIs to be able to make a single actionable decision. That's not possible. Yeah. So you have to distill it down into something that's digestible, something that's you know, that really is actionable. And I think that's the evolution of really big data is is having these, you know, this chief data officer to be able to identify what is the most important thing for the company? What should we be focusing on? Because it's gonna be what's like data overload. It, you're going to have this surplus of unused data.
1: Yeah. And this is where it goes back to the business and technology alignment. It's extremely critical.
0: Yes. Yeah. So this is a, so we went through the five insights. This is a fantastic survey. Uh, we recommend it to everybody. Like I said, check out datacrackle.com. We're going to have the link to it. You'll see it on there. It says NVP big data executive survey. And it has this image of some dude's profile with some words on it it's like a word word cloud but with some guy's head it's pretty cool so um that's all we got today but uh very excited we look forward to more of these and please feel free to go in and respond and give us some updates and if there's a specific survey that you guys have we'll go ahead and analyze we'll go ahead and read and talk about it on our podcast
1: is near